welcome to my special campaign Shop Independent Summer 2021 podcast series. We have so many exciting things planned, but I thought one of the best ways to spread the message of supporting small businesses is right here on my podcast. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down. Where we're going, you won't need to bring your frown. A huge thank you to Dell Technologies, NatWest and Royal Mail, our small business supporters, for joining us to bring Campaign Shop Independent to life this summer. They truly believe in the colour, creativity and magic that small businesses bring to the UK and so join forces to support this community and encourage everyone to understand the impact of voting with their money. So for the next four weeks as part of the campaign, I will be bringing you inspiration from the UK's most exciting independent small businesses and asking them what it means to them when you support small. This week, I'm speaking to two inspiring businesses that have not only survived the pandemic, but thrived, pivoting and working harder than ever to grow their businesses during one of the toughest trading periods in history. The connection between these businesses is the sheer power of being a team, having each other's backs and never giving up on the business or each other. So luckily today, I will be joined by a duo who in its first year of business had its biggest dream come true, and I just can't wait to talk to them about it. Today, I'm speaking to twin female founders, Liv and Daisy Tinker, whose business, a South London maker's market, is challenging and changing the face of retail. Through championing and supporting independent businesses, they are curating the most talented small businesses into their online and physical market. Marketplace. Their most recent pop-up market looked absolutely spectacular and I wish I'd had a moment to go and visit, but I can't wait to chat to them more about it. Hi, Liv and Daisy. I know it has been a little while since we have connected because it was last Christmas that we were celebrating you being a finalist in our independent awards. So much has gone on since then. Tell me, Something rather exciting happened last week. I was pinching myself for the fact that that happened to you. <laughs> Tell us all about what happened. Hi, Holly. Hi, Holly. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. Firstly, thank you so much for asking us to be on your podcast. We've listened to so many episodes and we just feel really honoured to be here. This is a bit of a pinch me moment. So firstly, Aww. just thank you so much. Well, this campaign special had to have you on there. Absolutely. Oh, you were on top of the list. Oh, thank, thank you so, you so much. much. We really feel honoured to be here all day. We've been like buzzing that we're yeah. doing it. But yeah, it's been a, an absolute absolute well whirlwind year but a whirlwind couple of weeks we just had a pop-up inside Selfridges on Oxford Street which just really was crazy. <laughs> it really was a whirlwind it was amazing we had so we had a pop-up market for one week on the ground floor in the accessories hall and we worked with 14 of our brands from our market and they were all absolutely incredible and the reaction we had was just absolutely amazing it was it was really special like it was very emotional we cried. Very emotional. <laughs> I literally can't get over it because I saw it on Instagram it's your first year of trading your business Mm -hmm. And I know you had a dream that one day you might be in Selfridges. 
it's quite unbelievable to have that dream come true. You know, people have been working for 10 years and have never been able to get into Selfridges, you know, this mecca of shopping. How did it all come about? And did you manifest it? Like, were you chanting something (laughs) every day of your business journey so (laughs) far? We do. We do actually do a lot of manifesting. And I'm sure there is more to it than just saying the thing that you want to happen over and over again. But that's kind of what we do. We just pick one thing, one thing. It has to, for us, it's just always one thing that we want to happen. And we just every day say it over and over again, especially like before we go to sleep or when we get up in the morning. But anyway, it literally just came about. Um, one of the, the buying manager, she DM'd us on Instagram. And so we literally in our little requests inbox, we were doing, it was the day of the, one of the markets, wasn't it? And we just had a request in the uh, little hidden inbox. And um, she just introduced herself and said that she loved what we were doing. And did you squeal? Yeah. And you know what? She'd been in there a couple of days as well, because we'd been so busy. She'd been <gasps> yeah. in there a couple of days and we you made selfishness wait. <laughs> and we were like, oh my God, she sent this message like four days ago. Mm. She thinks that we're ignoring her. No, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Because if you'd spotted it, you would have been on there within four seconds. You know, when it's like sent 10 seconds ago, you would have been straight yeah. on there. Yeah. Four days you made selfishness wait. We are keen beans usually. So that was like <laughs> unusual for us. And I think she tried to email us as well, but we had just at that point switched over our email. So I think she had been trying to get in touch with us and it kind of accidentally made us probably seem quite elusive, but we're not yeah. normally, we're no. like such keen beans. So yeah. it probably was a good time really. But <laughs> yeah, she just DM'd us. It was just the most crazy thing ever. And we had our first meeting with them the day after I left my full-time job. So it was just like, mm. it means even more to me in that sense, because it just was a real validation that I had done the right thing. Because obviously I was kind of shitting myself really I didn't know if I'd made the right decision or not yeah day one it was a good first day (laughs) seriously good first day can you describe for the listeners what the pop-up actually looked like um which small businesses did you have selling there because I saw that lovely yellow photo wall which uh you could stand underneath and it said I shopped small at South London Makers Market at Selfridges yeah I mean that's pretty cool are you gonna like frame that oh we couldn't take it home because it was too big for us to physically move no we do have some of the I, other ones yeah, She's, we've got them right next to us yeah. here we took they were like velcroed on we just at the end of the week we like put them under our arm just like walking out of the shop like we, we have to take them home we didn't actually ask if we could take them presumably it was okay but um yeah so it was in the ground on the ground floor in the accessories hall which is a really amazing amazing beautiful space and we had a really big space and it has these gorgeous big pillars and it was right as you entered the doors from duke street so it was a really mm-hmm. central location so they gave us a really amazing spot and when we we actually got to go inside self just to see the space when the shop was shut before shops were allowed to open and it was really overwhelming to go in there when the shop was shut and to then see the space it was beautiful but so we had 14 small brands and um, all people that we've worked with before and have been super su- successful at our markets but they all launched something exclusive inside Selfridges so there was you know a big buzz around it and everyone wanted all the exclusive mm-hmm. products so we had Emma at Isla Risa who does hand crocheted bags they're made from like a silk ribbon they're absolutely beautiful I bought one and then we had Harley Briggs who's an artist from North London who really celebrates like the female form she buys all of these vintage and antique vessels and then hand paints bodies onto them and she's also a, an artist as well um, and then we had Gemma at Sugar and Cement who I think you know Gemma at Sugar and Cement yes. she um, <laughs> hand pours all of her eco cement products in South London and then hand paints them in fur and ball colours all really gorgeous versatile um, homeware pieces we had um, Scarlett from Studio Kyoda which is one of my favourite bag brands and she's based in Brixton so just down the road from where we are now she makes these beautiful silk mo- mo- moire I'm so bad with pronunciation 
decoration bags and in all these gorgeous pastel colours. Obsessed. We had Sebastian Sohan. Is that how you say, say his surname? He's like this amazing artist who creates these incredible acrylic sculptures and bookends and tufted rugs. Who did your mushrooms? The mushrooms were actually Selfridges props. Yeah. So we just borrowed them for the because we thought it was really fun. So, they, so many people tried to buy them. We yeah. said to Selfridges, like, you've got to, you've got to sell these because people were Oh, yeah. Because I, I was literally going to go, right, so I'll have those mushrooms. <laughs> but I would have everything else. I mean, I can't believe that was the prop. But anyway, yeah, they mushrooms are a thing. They really are. So you had all these amazing small businesses. And um, before we get into your story... You know, we all have dreams. You know, we all have that thing that we would love to achieve. Do you think you've got to shoot for the moon? I definitely think that. I think we both never dreamed high enough. I think we both just didn't have the capacity to even imagining what we could achieve. And I think once you raise the bar for yourself, you kind of level up everything in your life to achieve that. But it's almost like having the mentality to set the bar so high in the first instance. I think Mm. we both don't like to let anyone else down or ourselves down. So in the past, definitely, I've purposely set myself goals that I know are like really attainable so that I can think that I've reached my goal. And I would never almost let myself dream so big. And I think that really held me back for so many years. But seeing working for ourselves, you kind of realise you've already done the scary, terrifying thing of working for yourself and not knowing basically when you're going to get paid or what the future holds. So you might as well just shoot for the stars. And I think we basically just realised that we we just need to dream big and we can we can make anything happen. Like if, if the last year's taught me anything, it's that we can make anything happen that we put our minds to. And I think that's true for anyone. You just have to be in the mindset to kind of dream as big as you could possibly dream and things you put on your 10-year goal list, put them on your one-year goal list. Like you yeah. could, you can achieve it this year. We always say let things be incoming. So we <laughs> always, I always imagine myself like standing with my arms open and I'm like, especially after Selfridges, people have asked us, you know, what are you doing next? What's the next big thing? And we're like, we're just going to let it be incoming. Things are just incoming. We're just going to see what happens and what's out there. I also think we've let our feelings kind of guide us in terms of our dreams, because sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming to think of these really big things. But if you're following your emotions and your feelings and what makes you happy, like we always put that first. And it's kind of like what makes us happy that leads us to our next dream. I don't know if that makes any sense, but we've kind of put that feeling first. And if we're feeling that feeling and we're feeling really good and really positive and really high and really happy, that leads us to what we should be doing and what our next dream is. Can you tell us a bit about yourselves and what led you to founding this wonderful business? Yeah, sure. So we both went to the same uni. We both studied fashion. I studied fashion journalism and Liv studied fashion promotion and imaging, which is kind of like photography and styling. Both went to the same uni. We both came out of uni kind of, you know, like a lot of people come out of uni not really knowing what we were going to do. We always knew basically that we wanted to move to London, that we wanted to be here in the big excitement of everything and to be involved in fashion, I guess, in some way. But we didn't really have specific dreams. I think we were just kind of moving to London. We moved to London and we were just, let's just see what happens. Let's just see what jobs we can get. I moved here. I didn't even have a job when we moved here. I was literally on benefits, I think, and working freelance. I was earning like £500 a month. It was all a bit sketchy. We lived in a tiny flat in Tooting, um, which was covered in mould and but it was great living in Tooting. So we just kind of both went off on our in our various careers for however many years, like eight years, eight yeah. years, nine years. 
doing different kind of jobs within the fashion industry. So I started as a copywriter. So I worked as a copywriter for a lot of different high street brands. Like I actually did do some freelance copywriting work at Selfridges back in the day. (laughs) So to go back there with our own brand was kind of even more surreal. But River Island, I worked at for quite a few years. And then most recently at ASOS Marketplace as an editor. So in content and marketing, that type of thing, working with small brands there actually. And Liv went into visual merchandising. So you worked for quite a few different brands. Yeah, so big high street brands in big, sort of flagship stores on Oxford Street so again like going back to Selfridges and Oxford Street was a real kick because it was like I'd worked there before for a big brand and so we kind of separated off onto our career paths and both without really realising it, kind of not really that happy, kind of just plodding along, seeing what was happening, kind of feeling anxious a lot of the time and not really knowing what we wanted to do and kind of knowing that we needed to push forward in our careers, but also not really wanting to, but not really knowing what alternatives there were. And then um, we started an Instagram account for our interiors. So we both bought our first flats and then we set up um, an interiors Instagram account. And we started meeting and discovering like local tradespeople and craftspeople mm-hmm. in South London that we were shopping with personally to buy things for our own interiors. And so we started sharing a lot of our recommendations and people that we know who are artists or people we know who do ceramics or we started sharing all of these people. And that that basically led itself into running the market. So Daisy just happened yeah. to see an advert for a space above Crystal Palace Library and she just literally said, let's bring all of these people together. And we kind of wanted to put South London on the map in a way that like East London, you go to a lot of cool events, West London, North London, but often at the weekends, it means traveling away from where you live. And we really just wanted to do something local to us. <laughs> it was very selfishly yeah. motivated. We just wanted to stay locally <laughs> to where we lived. And so we just got, I think our first market in Crystal Palace um, Library, it was it was in December 2019. I think we had 18 sellers, a lot of whom we'd worked with or we knew personally. We opened applications and we did have a, quite a few people apply and we worked with people that we'd never met before, which was a real amazing kind of, we were like, wow, people are emailing us and they want to book into the market. Wow. The first market we did in December 2019 just went so amazingly it was so busy like 500 people turned up the library said they'd never had as many people come to an event they were like what's happening like who are all these thousands of people (laughs) and it just went so well and it was so electric and it was such a buzz and we'd really worked so hard we stood outside train stations all the time handing out leaflets we advertised it everywhere we could we literally told every single person we came into contact with in the local area and I mean literally every single person that we met at the train station in a cafe in a wine bar walking down the street everyone And people just showed up. People just turned up and loved it and really, you know, resonated with the brands, shocked the brands. Loads of the storeholders had a really successful day. And then people started saying, well, when's the next one? And we were like, oh, okay, well, guess we'll do another one. Yeah. It It just just felt magical. I think we both had felt not like our lives had like clicked into place and something wasn't quite right. And then it was just a sense that, oh, this is what we should be doing. The universe literally, yeah, gave you a taste Mm, of what your future could be. But I mean, when you talk about fairs, obviously I started my um, sort of journey with small businesses with my own company, Your Local Fair, back in 2000 and. I think two. So I know firsthand, right, how difficult. And I didn't have social media, Mm. but I did have the leaflets. I did have the standing at the tube stations. Mm -hmm. As you said, when you say tell everybody, it's literally like you go and to the butchers to get something and you tell the butcher oh, yes. and then you ask them to put put the leaflets out don't yeah. you and then you know you ask your neighbours and you're door dropping and you can't walk down a street without thinking oh this is a good street to <laughs> yeah. door drop my leaflets on isn't it it's yeah. just this, this unbelievable thing that happens and then you worry about it raining and you worry about the trestle tables and you, do you know what I mean? it is unbelievable to create an event 
You had your events, though, during lockdown. Mm. One of your first events was in the window, was it, of lockdown? So we, yeah, we did our first ever real life event in December 2019. So that was our first ever event was a Christmas yep. market. So that was a, okay, a, yes. absolutely madness because everyone was Christmas shopping. You're like going, yeah, this is how it's going to be all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, wow, 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 this is incredible. Like Christmas, this is going to be, you know, we've got to realise this is going to be the biggest moment of our business for maybe another year because we're coming in starting at Christmas, which is a huge, obviously, moment in retail. Yeah. Then we had the next one planned for later in February. And I think that was the day of Storm Ciara, which I don't know if you remember, but it was like the worst storm the UK had seen for 80 <laughs> years or something. So so people were coming into the market. I mean, honestly, it was like a comedy sketch show, drenched top to toe, leaves in their hair. People like trying to walk down the road. We could see from the window onto the street from the market. People like walking down the road, battening against the gales. And we were like, no, the event still has to go on. We're yeah. not cancelling it. Right. And hundreds of people still turned up. It was still more successful even than our Christmas market. And yeah. then we said to each other on that day, and I honestly feel like we jinxed it. We said, don't worry, nothing's ever going to be this stressful as again. We've come off of Christmas. We've come off of Storm Ciara. The March market is going to be a chill. It's going to be a chill, a breeze. We know what we're doing. We've got it sorted. Bam, lockdown happens. And we're like, fuck, <laughs> what are we going to do? That then led us to running our 26 online during lockdown. So it kind yes. of, in a way, and I don't like to say you know, too many positive things about lockdown because it was a really hard time for people. But actually taking the markets online during lockdown, it was a real lifeline for sellers. It was a real lifeline for customers. It was something exciting and joyful to do. And people loved it. People went crazy for it. And we reached a global audience in a way that we never would have been able to just running our real life events. But it was and it, hard doing it, the pivot. Yeah, it was it, stressful. It was stressful. I was going to say, what is that difference? Because you've you've run so many now. Firstly, as you said, so many people have learned new skills in this period mm. of time that now you'll keep forevermore you know mm -hmm. however you use it but you've got the, got those skills what's that difference between online virtual versus sort of physical markets I think it's going to be a hybrid and I think it was great because obviously makers markets crafts people crafts markets they're very traditional they're you know a lot of the makers are very traditional people they run their businesses very you know, traditionally, sometimes people still taking, you know, orders on pens and paper, like at a market, yeah. it's very, yeah. I guess, old fashioned in a mm. sense. So it was, it was stressful thinking about how to take it online, mainly because a lot of the sellers didn't kind of operate in a modern way where, you know, they would use Instagram already and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that was a big learning. But I think it was an amazing step up for everyone to take because now obviously loads of businesses have changed the way they operate to like operate yeah. online. So that was incredible for them and us. And I think we've realised from it that there's benefits, there's massive benefits to online, but there's massive benefits to in real life that you can never replicate online. So as much as people say to us, it's amazing that you've created an online event which has the sense of community and, you know, excitement that a real life event has, which is amazing. And we always love hearing that. You're never going to get the same feeling of being mm. hundreds of people in the same room, in one place in the world, all coming together and that feeling of community. But on the flip side, you're never going to reach 80,000 people at a local event in Crystal Palace, which no. you can do yeah. on an event on Instagram. So I think going forward, we see the benefits of both and we'd love to incorporate both going forward so we're going to do real life and online events going forward which we feel like is really exciting and then we get the best of both worlds mm. but yeah it was a big learning at first <laughs> when you had that moment where you just went oh my god do we even have a business yeah this is not meant to be happening to us what was your mindset at that point in time because I, I, I it's a hard one to describe and why Campaign Shop Independent is so important because you're really backing 
the fighters. Mm. You know, you're backing the people who you'd want to be on your side if there was a, a fight or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I do. You'd want to bet on those people because mm. they know when it's tough, They've got to just rise. Yeah. That's what they're going to have to do. And there's no other way around it. That's literally how we went into it. So we freaked out for five minutes. We took a walk yeah, around that's Crystal Palace. Right. Five minutes. We had three, I think we had two or three real life markets booked in. And at this point, this was about to be my full-time job. So I lost my job. And literally, as we started our South London Makers Market, this was my full-time job. So it wasn't a case of not working out. We took a walk around Crystal Park. We said we need to continue to run our business how can we run our business? We also knew we had all of these stallholders booked in. They had, you know, committed to this event. They had invested money in making products. They had, you know, they needed to sell products to earn money as well. So we knew that we had like 90 people and ourselves mm -hmm. relying on this. So it, it kind of, it literally was the case. And it's funny that you say that about, you know, these are the people you want to back and these are the people you want in a fight. Because honestly, we, we just knew that we couldn't finish that walk until we'd basically worked out how we were going to continue what we were doing and running the markets and it was literally just as simple as walking around the dinosaurs in Crystal Palace Park and one of us saying I think I said we can take them online and Daisy was like I can see it now I've got the vision for it I can see the market stores mm -hmm. on Instagram I know how I want to design it and kind of bringing both of our skills into play of our at our jobs before mm. I mean online shopping was already a thing we knew people wanted to shop online I think we underestimated how big these events could be because when the world was going to shut down there was nothing else to do and so people were going to you know mm. go crazy for it yeah. I think we were kind of like we'll just do it to tide us over we'll do a couple of online events until you know at that time we thought lockdown was going to be over in six weeks yeah I know I remember saying to my mum he was saying why are you bringing around easter eggs it's going to be finished by April you know <laughs> yeah. that's where we were and I reminded myself of that the other day and here we are mm. that's the thing though here we are but for your business you are better informed mm -hmm. you've worked muscles that you never would have worked before. Yeah. You've had, you, you've got more customers that mm -hmm. know about you and you've actually become stronger as a brand. You're my second twin founders on this podcast, by the way. The first was Alan and Gary Kerry from the Serial Cafe, uh, but you're my first female founding twins. Do you think that that sort of telepathy that uh, I'm not going to finish this walk until we've got a solution you say one thing, the other person, you know, this is an amazing example of teamwork. And I think the power of what made you survive potentially, mm. you know, that founder titus that you have together, though, makes it almost like you've got three people in the room, not two. Tell me about working together and how you've relied on that during this time. It's absolutely true. And I say it all the time. I have so much respect for people who run a business on their own because I could not do it with Liv sitting next to me. I absolutely do not have the resilience or the skills on my own as a single human being no. to, to do anything of importance no. really on my own I would never be able to do this day to day without her so I really have so much respect for people who do it on their own because it's bloody hard work even when you're in it with your sister and your best friend mm. you know if you're on your own you're doing everything on your own I really just all respect to anyone listening to this who runs a business on their mm. own because you are amazing yeah, I agree but I think it's just it always has been our superpower I guess that we came as a pair because when you live a life that's the same as someone else it's obviously a level of understanding them a level of bond trust. a level of trust a level of teamwork that you just can't 
really replicate mm. with someone I don't think who's not your twin. No. I mean, I'm sure other siblings are close, but it's just it's I mean, another it's a level. Niche. I mean, you know, <laughs> don't start a business unless you're a twin. I'm sure, you know, we do work with other people who run businesses together who are friends, you yeah. know, um, Nata Concept Store yeah. who took part in Selfridges. Anna and Tatiana are best friends. They live together. And they're probably some of the only other people I've seen who have that real intimate relationship where they can do things so well together. Mm. But I just feel so lucky that we kind of have this natural team together the two of us and it's you know us kind of against the world I guess and that naturally does make running a business a lot easier because you know on that walk in Crystal Palace Park when you know naturally I'm more inclined to be the anxious one out of the two of us we both are very anxious but sometimes I go more that way so sometimes I need Livy to be there and be like don't worry like we're going to sort this out how are we going to sort it out and then we bounce off each other so I'll be worried she'll pet me up then I'll be strong then she'll be worried and I'll pep her up but so then by the end of the conversation we're both feeling pepped up and confident (laughs) and resilient that we can carry on so I think you know honestly without having lived there for the back and forth for our joint skills we we kind of I don't think we would have been able to get out of the hole because you just I needed live there to bounce ideas off of to have the strength and the resilience next to me to know that we can get through it and you know I couldn't have done it without her so it was kind of a sense of we're not telepathic but we're on so the same wavelength that we just know what the other person is thinking so naturally we just fall into a rhythm and we always have been like that because we've always been so close and you know we shared a bedroom until we were like 14 so we just are incredibly close but this is the other thing I would say for small businesses we're so able to be dynamic and what I love when I think back to your walk and you know if you think about bigger businesses and you think about how long it would have taken them from feeling like their entire business was about to crumble Mm -hmm. to, oh my God, we have probably got the most futuristic solution ever. (laughs) And you did this walk, didn't you? Backs and forwards. And by the end of it, you didn't have the time to procrastinate. You didn't have the time to self-doubt. And I think that's something, again, for small businesses listening, do not underestimate that superpower. Because some would say... Oh, you didn't think about it long enough. You know, you didn't do the charts and the figures and the blah, 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 blah. You instinctively knew. You knew that by the end of this walk, there is no time. We're in life-death scenario here. We've got to do this. Right, so when we get home, we'll make ourselves a cup of tea and we'll create a plan. And already you could see it. I love what you said. Mm. She could see it. We only just thought about it five minutes ago. That's part, I think, of the excitement of us as founders, that we have the ability and power to just literally pivot and change. I love what you just said there. And it's literally the thing that we talk about the most because both coming from big businesses, you know, there's a lot of bureaucracy, there's a lot of people to, you know, it goes, we always say it has to go up the chain, then come back down the chain before you can do anything. With us, it's like, as long as we both agree and we've both talked about it and it's like, yes, tick, yes, tick, then we're good to go. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that really did stop a lot of businesses early on because, you know, it did take them so long to pivot and they're such heavy, clunky machines that need to cut off a lot of fat almost. Whereas we're really agile and we can move really quickly and we can, I think it's a lot of the success of the market because we can see a trend, we can see, you know, have an idea, anything we want to do, whether it's a product we want to have at the market, whether it's an idea we want to do, taking the market online, whatever it is, we can make that happen within literally one day. We can just do it. Yeah. And and so yeah. we have the ability to get on something 
something super quickly. And I really do think that agility makes our business exciting in a way that a lot of other big businesses, they just can never work like that. I always say the power of 24 hours in a small business is incredible. It's true. It's, it's, it's almost like you could do a year's worth of growth in, in your planning in a day. And again, that was, makes you so fast and furious. And what I said, not that we're in a violent frame of mind right now, <laughs> but you'd want small businesses on your side in a fight. Now tell me, before we get to the end of this podcast, for any small businesses listening who would love to sell with you, what should they do? So we always want to hear from any small business out there. So many people think that they need to be really big, really well established. That's not the case. We're always looking for the most exciting and original small businesses out there. So you could be a day old, you could be a year old, you could be 10 years old, you could have one product, 10 products, 100 products. None of that matters. We're just excited to work with people who are doing something exciting, doing something original and who themselves are really passionate and excited about what they're doing. So if you want to apply for the market, we'd absolutely love to hear from you. We've actually just fully booked our online market for the end of this month, but we're planning loads more events over summer. So we'll leave our applications open the whole time because we're always looking to hear from people. But just drop in a application, which you can do on our website. You can also tap the link in our bio on Instagram and you'll find it there, but it's just on our website. It's really clear. It just says like, like fill out an application form. It's like a couple of boxes. It's really, it's really quick. It doesn't take ages. Amazing. Well, I hope to come to one of your physical events soon and virtual. Now, listen, I asked the same two questions. So this podcast is supporting Campaign Shop Independence Summer 2021, where we're raising the profile of not only small businesses, but the fact that we need everybody to support small businesses every day not just in a pandemic, not just at Christmas time. So what does it mean to you when someone votes with their money and buys something from a South London maker's market and supports your small businesses and their small businesses? It just means everything to us. And this is actually exactly why we started our Shop Small Spread Joy campaign. So everything you do just resonates so strongly with everything that we are about. And that's, you know, partly why we absolutely love you. We love what you're about so much. Oh, like you're just such a small I love business you guys pioneer. So we just, we're so inspired by you and everything that you oh, do. thank you. Um, um, but that's what Shop Small Spread Joy is all about. So it's about how when you shop small, you're not only helping someone bis someone's business thrive, but you're getting something beautiful, personal, personalised, original, handmade as well. So it's a double dose of joy. And, you know, when you shop small you're not just getting something beautiful, you're literally helping that business thrive. You're helping someone's livelihood be a reality. You're helping someone's dream come true. And, you know, what's better than that? That's that's amazing. We can all feel great about that. It's kind of guilt-free shopping, really, because you can feel really happy and positive about your purchase and you don't need to feel guilty about it. It's what I tell Frank every single day <laughs> for the last, what is it, 20 years. What are you doing? We're just doing good. I'm just doing good. What good have you done? I've got four boxes arriving today. You've got none. What are your favourite small businesses that you want to give a shout out to, which must be difficult for you two, um, because it be like picking a favourite child um, with all your storeholders. But who can you tell us about on this podcast so we could go frantically over to our phones and start clicking away? That's really hard. Oh I'd have to say every single person, our markets are really highly curated. So every single person we have at a market really is truly someone we will and do want to shop with. So I mean, every single person we work with, but we've got some really amazing people coming for our next online markets. I have to shout out Dee's Basement. She's also just a year into her business, took her business online through lockdown. She makes the most amazing chocolate-covered um, 
dandelions with edible flowers. They're so beautiful. She also does event cakes. They're just stunning, gorgeous. And I just Mm. think also just a really inspiring person for what she's achieved in the last year as well, because obviously we know how hard it's been and she's literally thriving. And I just think she's doing amazing things. So Dee's Basement is incredible and someone I'm loving at the moment is Harley Brown Ceramics I think me and Liv have really noticed this trend for fun and just for products to feel fun and have life and energy kind of in them and I think Harley's ceramics really encapsulate that mood for fun they're really energetic kind of chaotic almost like paint splattered handcrafted scalloped edge ceramics that just you look at you look at the things she makes and they just make you feel really happy inside and Mm. you feel the positive energy that she's obviously put into making them and I really do believe in the energy of products maybe that sounds a bit crazy but I know that I would hold one of her mugs well hey we started the podcast talking about (laughs) moons and stars you know and then we've gone into the boxing ring and now we're back out to talking about the energy of products I'm with you all the way on all of those things it has been a joy Liv and Daisy to talk to you I'm so happy to see your faces again you know it was Christmas time now we're here coming into summer and I just wish you all the success I can just tell this energy between the two of you is super powerful I work with my sister we're not twins but there is something absolutely glorious about it and so I just know you guys are one to watch so thank you so much much for being with us today thank, thank you so, so much Wally. honestly we just want to say a quick thank you because when we yeah. were nominated for the independent awards that just really like made us realize that we could do this business properly full-time and it could really be a success mm. so we just want to say thank you to you and to your team from the bottom of our hearts because mm. that was such a pivot point for us and for our, yeah. our business like it was a it really, really proud moment it was a really proud moment and it really changed our mindset and i honestly don't think we would have had so much confidence in what mm. we were doing without that so we just want to say thank you so thank much you. for for that and for all the work you do Did you know that if we all spent one pound with a small business on the 25th of June, Shop Independent Day, it would equate to 32 million pounds into local economies. And if we did this every day, 19 billion additional pounds would be pumped into these small enterprises over one year. So this Shop Independent Day, I urge you to vote with your money and share your support across social using the hashtag Shop Independent Day. For more information about the day or about this colourful campaign, head to holly.co slash campaign. Today I'm speaking to husband and wife team Natalie and Daniel Reynolds. Behind the brand, Fred and Noah, makers of beautifully crafted, colourful, creative kids' clothing, which is a firm favourite amongst celebrities. I had the pleasure of meeting Natalie and Dan years ago when they sold their leggings on Not On The High Street. And I remember then how quickly their products flew, especially when the likes of Fern Cotton and her children were spotted wearing them. Watching them on Instagram, their piles of orders all stacking up in their studio it makes me so happy but I am sure this year has been tough like it's been for all small businesses so I can't wait to hear from them today about what teamwork it takes to make it through adversity. Hi Natalie and Dan what a joy to speak to you both. I have to ask with all the news out at the moment how are you because we're coming out of lockdown or we thought we were and are we and we were just talking about our staffing issues and how's it been for you it's been tough yeah obviously we've been in business seven years now but it's been very consistent up until sort of covid hit and then it was just crazy we were crazy busy and then it'd get quiet and then then it was super busy again and it's just up and down 
And and with that, it's staffing is a problem because you can't have too many staff because then as the work goes down, you haven't got enough work for them. Yeah. So you have to sort of operate on a, a lower amount of staff, but then more work comes in. So you have to fill the gaps whilst at the same time being busy trying to create work for the staff. Yes. So as the directors and the owners, we, we tend up doing all the work. You fill in as a founder, you end up plugging all the gaps. Yeah. You're that person that gets plugged in. Have you found it disheartening? Because I've spoken to a few small businesses, like you said, Dan, who could really track things. You know, they got themselves to a place where they're thinking, okay, you know, I know my seasons and then this has hit. They felt that it's like almost starting again. It absolutely is. You're right. Because you know what it's like in retail. You you know when you're going to be busy. You know when there's going to be quieter moments. You know, we always found May was a little bit quiet for us. We put it down to perhaps people saving for holidays. But we was always prepared for that. We always had, mm. you know, some marketing up our sleeve that we could do to kind of generate some sales. But then COVID hit and we had to send our staff home on furlough. And we found ourselves at home having to run our business as we always have been before. Having the busiest mate ever. Like everyone was <laughs> buying baby gifts online, thankfully. Yes. And we had to homeschool as well at the same time. That's the other thing for us small businesses is that you have two young children. The sales pick up, you're furloughing the staff. I mean, you can't ask for more of a perfect storm than that, can you? <laughs> I mean, how how much Sauvignon Blanc did you drink during that period of time? We joke that before COVID, we didn't drink. <laughs> that is true. We, we didn't drink. We didn't. We and didn't we do now. Oh, really? Oh, my goodness. I'm like, that says something, right? Turning you from teetotal. Now I understand about, you know, grown-ups having a, a glass of wine in the evening, what that's about. I've loved watching your honest accounts, I have to say, running a small business in a pandemic on Instagram because you're... Your tone just captures just that right balance between wanting people to shop with you, but also understanding that we are in a pandemic. And I really loved, I'm going to read out one of your posts here. Every time you place an order, a ka noise pings through on mine and Dan's phones. It's those ka that pay our staff, our factory, mortgage, bills, and keep us in business. We know you're not thinking about leggings right now, but when you are thinking about buying gifts or even shopping for your own children this lockdown, please don't forget us. We're still here, Nat and Dan. It must have meant so much then during this period of time when people did support your business. We're always very so busy packing orders. We don't always get time to write thank you notes on, on, on orders. But but during that time, we did write a lot of thank yous, didn't we? Because we were so grateful. Mm. I think now more than ever, we appreciate when, yeah. when the phone ka-chings, we appreciate it more than we ever have because it's it's been so tough the last year. So when you hear it now, it's yeah, it's amazing. It's like a little cry of um, sort of hope, isn't it? It's a little moment that says, keep going. Well, I always, whenever my, the ka-ching, and it is a real ka-ching, it goes off on your phone. That means an order's just come in. I always think of that. Someone's just walked out the shop. Yes. You know, someone's, if we had a real shop, someone's just walked out happy with their leggings. I love that. And when that's going off all day on a good day, it puts a smile on our face. It makes us feel busy. We're recording this podcast for Campaign Shop Independent for summer because ultimately a theory goes that we are six months out from Christmas. We have wonderful customers that support us at Christmas time and the pandemic, but actually us small businesses need custom every day, every day if, we, if we're to survive. Has this period of time 
been as tough to make you ask the unquestionable? Because a lot of small businesses I'm speaking to at the moment are having a terrible time, you know, and furlough hasn't even finished yet. It's tough. It's like properly tough. And I think we're going to see more and more small businesses raising their hands saying, how am I going to survive? Tell me about those darkest times. Yeah, it's definitely true. Times have been so tough and we are, we're diversifying, we're doing everything we can in order to Mm -hmm. keep orders coming in to stay in business. It It is tough, but... We are fortunate that we are still busy. We are doing well, nowhere near as well as we have done prior to this, but closing is never an option. No. So that's, that's just never going to happen. Never. And that's never once crossed my mind no. in the last year. It's You're just, just uh, um, you just keep going. What else can we do? Because it just comes down to sales, mm-hmm. you know, whether you like it or not. What can we do to generate those sales? And if it's putting ourselves out there a little bit more or, or like Diane said, diversifying, finding some new products that we can make. We really have done that this year. As people, we're both very gritty. So we're both fighters. So yeah. when times get tough, we don't give up. Yeah. We just keep going. No one's getting rid of us yet. Oh, I love you saying that. I love you saying that. I think that is the case for most founders. You know, that's why potentially a lot will survive because when the fight comes to us, we're ready. In a way, that's what we do all the time. There's no solution. You just got to get through it. Absolutely. That's why I think actually for small businesses, that muscle has been worked way prior to COVID, you know, it's actually that we we always have issues, don't we, that we're yeah. we're overcoming. We don't have a big cog and a wheel and lots of people and bureaucracy. We just have the sort of energy of us founders. Business is hard work, isn't it? Anyone who's in business knows that business is just problems, isn't it? Problems are yeah. always coming to you with business and it's a business person gets over them and you try and make a positive out of a negative and that's yeah. That's how we've always run our business. So tell me about your manufacturing in this period, because you manufacture everything in the UK, which is absolutely brilliant. How important is that to your brand? It is important. It's really important. We make all of our clothing here in the UK and we use a very small factory and we have an excellent relationship with them. They're yeah. an independent factory. I think it's about 18 machinists. Wow. I think it might be 19. Yeah. And that's with um, the, two, the two owners. Some of which have come back from retirement to go back to work. Oh, I love that. Because they just love sewing. I mean, how nice is that? Oh, I love that. That is just, I've got that image. Was it difficult for you to find that outlet for you to, or your manufacturer? Because actually we want to encourage more people, don't we, to try and get that manufacturing back into the country. Um, I'd say the difficult part of that process was handing it over not the actual finding of the factory right because before the factory it was just us you know Dan would cut the leggings and I would make them and we would wrap them together and that was the process it was only us but then to hand that over to a factory that you know we didn't know at that point it's huge yeah when you're a little bit of a control freak like I am (laughs) (laughs) Dan's being silent Dan's like nodding secretly he is Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. um, we just love our factory we have such a great relationship with them and they they make it far better than I ever could now I think they're fantastic Let's go back to the beginning of your story, Natalie, because you founded the business back in 2014. Can you tell us what led to you starting Fred and Noah? Uh, so I was a lecturer in fashion design. I used to teach it at the local college, doing that for 10 years previously. And I was on my maternity leave with my second son, Freddie. And I just was struggling to dress him in something that was 
comfy that wasn't just plain grey joggers or skinny jeans. I didn't want to dress him in skinny jeans. I wanted to dress him in something that was comfy, that was fun, vibrant, that represented his interests. You know, he really liked trains and there just wasn't anything about. So I used my skills and made him some some baby leggings, loved them. And then other people loved them. And it was very organic. I never sat down with you, did I, and say, no. I want to start a business. It was just, I needed to be creative again. I missed it. Yeah. I was teaching other people how to be creative and not doing it myself. So that was just my output. And it led to, you know, me opening up an Etsy shop and then just getting very busy very quickly. I think Fern Cotton bought something from us and shared it and we got a load of orders and then I said to Dan, I need some help. I think it's just incredible. I just said maternity leave, you know, actually can be when I look back and think of all the people that I've met over the years, you know, maternity leave can be such a moment of transition. You have that moment in time, don't you, in maternity leave where you can work out, actually, do I want to go back to my old life? And there's this sort of transition point where potentially creativity comes out of us or a hobby or something that we used to love. And it's a moment. And I, I can remember when starting Not on the High Street, Harry was three months old and I just knew there had to be something else. And I was going to use that moment in time to think about it. Do you have any advice for other women listening now who may be in a similar position to where you were? Do you think that that finding that creative output was actually a great path to maybe starting a business? It was. I think I was happy in my mind to go back to work nine months after having Freddie. That was, you know, I, I, I loved being a teacher. I wanted to, to do that forever. That was like my dream job until I started Fred and Noah. And then I realized actually I should be doing this. I need to be my own boss. And I guess anyone that's at a moment of reflection, perhaps on maternity leave is just play and be creative and if you've got a hobby try it out I didn't take any risks at the beginning we didn't get any business loans or anything like that it was all very we started small and I guess you know there was no risk involved there so yeah so you didn't have that pressure because sometimes that's the pressure that stifles the creativity and then you joined the business a year later Dan and so you became a family business and I can see now even the kids are involved when I look at all your pictures and what's it like running a family business uh, it's like working in a zoo <laughs> <laughs> it's just insane we try to get we get Noah involved in stories because he's very charismatic and he's funny so he, he's good and, and people love him but we have to tone him down a little bit because uh, <laughs> he's a bit like his dad he gets carried away so you have to say look don't overcook it Noah just chill out and then he comes up with some gold so no it's really nice. It's nice to inspire our children, you know, so they can see. Well, they, yeah, they see us working. Yeah, Freddie's still a bit young to really understand, but Noah just sees us working all the time and hopefully that will sink in and, and he'll understand it. But as it stands at the minute, Freddie's the one that likes working. <laughs> Noah likes the easy part. Oh, does he? I love it that you've already worked that one out. And is it, when I think about it, because Dan, I'm looking at a photo of you holding the little ones in front of your Fred and Noah sign in front of a big pile of orders. And it just makes me, it's emotional, isn't it? Watching family businesses start to thrive. You know, you can't even put it into words what this means, what you're doing for the children and inspiring the next generation. But even for yourselves in the journey that you've created for yourselves, you know, this time on the planet together as a couple, you are building something amazing. You're having a life like no one else. It's a moment when we look back to our past and maybe think about our old professions and then you look at what you're doing now. There's something quite glorious about it. Yeah. 
It I, must be really different for you. I mean. Yeah, I think if someone said to me seven years ago... Because you were in construction, is that right? Yeah, I had, a, I had a small building company, yeah. Right. But I think if someone had said to me, you're going to give all this up, you and your wife are going to run a business together making and selling baby clothes <laughs> and you're going to do really well, <laughs> I'd have said, um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> And tell me, how would you say running Fred and Noah is influencing your little ones? Because I know, Natty, you would have heard it from the community, the amount of parental guilt that goes on about spending time with the kids, not spending enough time with the kids, what you're doing. Is the phone ka-chinging? Are you actually present when you are present? What would you say about that? It's hard. The juggle has been really hard, hasn't it? The boys have always been around... Fred and Noah in the business, haven't they? I mean, if Freddie came home from preschool poorly one day, we would make him a bed in the studio mm-hmm. to have his nap so we could still work because we had to. Yeah, yeah. I personally, I don't feel any guilt because the way I see it now, most mornings the boys get both of us to drop them off to school. Mm-hmm. Maybe 50% of the time they'll get both of us to pick them up. But then when they come home, we're both here. Yeah. You know, so it's not like they've got one parent at home. They've got two. And even if they haven't got our full attention, they're seeing their parents a lot more than most families. Yeah, yeah, So I, I, I think they've got it better than most. Great point. And we do remind them of that when they moan, you know, we've got to do, you know, we've just got to do an hour's work and they complain. Well, you know, we are at home with you. You know, mm. there's no childminder. Yeah. And you slightly forget, don't you, when you run your own business, what it's like on the outside world. You sort of, your bubble, as you said, you've got to remind your kids, actually, this is incredible. We're together. Most households in the UK wouldn't have this. Absolutely. And we do have to tell our kids how it is probably in other households. You know, mm-hmm. your friend's parents go to work. They do forget that, you know, dad used to get up and leave the house at 5am and not get home till 6pm. Yeah. yeah. Didn't used to see a lot of them. And now yeah. I see them all the time. You know, that two weeks away that you just mentioned yeah. sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we pay, wouldn't we, really? to have those two weeks away? <laughs> Tell me, what's the best part of having a small business? What do you think, if someone had to sort of distill it down to one thing, what do you think it is? Definitely the pride. Mm. Yeah. is how proud we feel of, of what we've achieved. And we've done it, you know, we've, we've no help. It's all us. It's been done with hard work and making the right decisions at the right times. You know, sometimes they're not the easy decisions. They're, they're painful. They... Sometimes they can hurt you emotionally. Mm. It's hard. But when you look back and you think, well, look at what we've achieved for all of those decisions and all of that hard work, all those sleepless nights, you think we're both very proud of that. I love that you've said that. I think sometimes we can be a bit meek about it all. You should be very proud of yourselves and small businesses should be proud of themselves because there's no one else to give you a gold star. No. You know, there's not, you are it, you know, it stops with you. So if you're not proud of yourselves, it's been a phenomenal thing to see how many famous people as well are championing your leggings. Who would have thought that seven years ago, hey? First, you mentioned Fern Cotton and then you've got Giovanna Fletcher, Stacey Solomon. We know that the Duchess of Cambridge have touched your leggings, so we don't know what child that was that she was holding, but the child was wearing leggings. And recently, Boris Johnson's baby, Wilf, at Christmas was wearing the leggings. That's right. Firstly, what did it feel like? And B, how did you make that happen? Because I think all the small businesses listening are going to be going, do they have a little, you know, um, famous black book or something (laughs) of all these people? That's probably the most asked question. How do you... um... Don't say too much. No, it's um, (laughs) the black book. Genuinely, 
they're all customers. They, you know, mm-hmm. they, they buy from us. They mm-hmm. find us, I guess, on Instagram. That's how it starts, isn't it? You know, if you search baby leggings online, Fred and Noah comes up. You know, we were here. Mm-hmm. You know, we're the first to do what we do. Yep. We're the best at it. We're the biggest. So when you search baby leggings. There it is. There it is. But it is always a lovely, you know, when we're, we're packing orders and, you know, you're wrapping it all up and you spot a name that you might recognise. That's yeah. quite exciting in the studio. We all down tools and have a little celebration. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes when someone's got the same name as someone famous and you think, oh, is this, is this, is it? No. No. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> is this Angelina Jolie? Oh, no. Oh, no, it's oh hold on. It's Basildon. Probably not. No. <laughs> it's, it's really, really impressive. And you obviously use social media fantastically well. And, and this is what I'm mentioning throughout this interview is your posts and how well written they are or thought through they are. It's impressive. You've got 142,000 followers on Instagram. And I know, again, so many small businesses are trying to work through how they use this platform to not just tell the story, because I think, you know, we do a lot of work at Holly & Co, you know, to talk about telling the story, but to actually convert it into sales. As you said, Nutty, you know, we've got to get more sales to survive more, right? That's, That's the bottom line. What do you think about social media? Do you look at it as a sales platform? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, without without doubt. You know, we started on Facebook. We didn't really know too much about Instagram. But Facebook's, you know, we got a really good following on Facebook early on, which, which helped our business mm-hmm. immensely. Um, and then we got ourselves an Instagram account. And I think, you know, having those celebrity customers early on undoubtedly yep. helped us you know you can't deny that no. yeah it helped us get orders but it helped us get that big following yeah you know when that happens you just have to use it don't you you have to shout about it and I think a lot of small businesses struggle with patting themselves on the back or shouting about something that's happened to them yeah. and almost it's not showing off is it it's no you, you have to yeah I would say it's noting the milestones of your business yeah. it's almost like I look at Instagram sometimes as a scrapbook and I'm almost like when I look back at it in 10 years time, I almost want to have everything logged, you know, that's yeah. that's gone on because yeah. you'll just forget, won't you? When you guys look at other people's Instagram accounts in this community, what would you say are a few burning things that you wish you, you know, you could say to them, ah, oh, you didn't do that. That would have been so simple for you to do a swipe up or t- like, is there something that you notice that other small businesses don't do? I think just use Instagram stories to introduce yourself to your customer. Yeah. Our customers know us. Yeah. Now, I think they like that they, they know us. I think if you want to get somewhere, especially on the Insta stories, and you want people to watch them, you want to get decent engagement, you have to be funny. It has to be good to watch. If it's yeah. just engaging. Yeah, yeah. If it's boring, people aren't coming back. And if they don't come back, then they stop seeing it because mm-hmm. of the algorithm. So mm. you've got to be amusing. You've got to be good. And, it, and it's a great way of getting sales because people get caught up in the moment of the humour. Yeah, and click. And it helps. Yeah. Yep. And they click. That's, I think, yeah. That's great just advice. You, just use Instagram and be the face of your business. When you think about your celebrities that you've already got, who would be the dream? Should we give an answer each? Have you got... I would love it's the same to answer, send I'm some sure leggings to a royal. Yeah, it's the same answer. Yeah. A royal, I right, that's it. A royal. We're talking children, though, no no adults wearing the leggings, huh? Well, I don't know, I could see them in some of our They're very comfy. You can imagine the Queen going onto the balcony and you'll be like, oh my 
Goodness me. No, I think maybe more Charles. Charles, Charles going out okay. grey camos. <laughs> I think the fact that we're even talking about it means it's going to happen, right? Charles, Queen and Angelina, that's it. You've changed the way children dress through your colourful pattern leggings. What do you see the future for kids' fashion and your business? There are no limits, are there? We want to, we want to do everything. Take over the world. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, no, no. one leggings at a time. Yeah. yeah, we we just we're constantly trying to diversify. You know, we we only follow our own path. So you know, we we're just head forward all the time, always working on something new. We don't look at what other people do. We always work on our own ideas. Otherwise, yep. you'll never be you'll never be unique and individual yep. if you're just copying what other people are doing. So we're always trying to work on our own ideas. In terms of where we'd like to be, we'd definitely like to be in a position where we had. A steadier work stream, so more staff, so perhaps we could work normal hours, yeah. you know, because obviously yeah. getting up, going to work, seeing the kids, kids go to bed, going back to work and then going to bed yourself. It would be nice to take a little bit more time for ourselves. Yeah. But, you know, times are funny at the minute, so you do, you do what you have to and, and we'll get through it. That'll come. I know it will come for you. You've, you've come this far. Do you know what I mean? Can you imagine where you'll be in the next seven years? It's just incredible. All the royals wearing your leggings. I mean, it was just, it's just going to be one of those moments. Tell me, what does it mean to you? Because I ask these two questions to each guest. What does it mean to you when someone votes with their money and buys something from Fred and Noah supporting your small business? Yeah, well, I think we touched on it. When the, when the phone goes ka-ching, it, it, it means everything. It's just the best. And as I said, every time the phone ka-chings, it's like someone's just walked into your shop, they've bought something, and they're leaving a happy, satisfied customer. And it's, it, uh, it, it means everything, because without it and without their support, we don't have a business. Yeah. And I just want to make sure when that ka-ching comes in, from that moment that they've actually, you know, given us their money, that they get the most brilliant experience from us. They, you know, the email that we send out thanking them, mm-hmm. that, you know, the products arriving, the paper that it's wrapped in, the quality of the cloth, mm-hmm. the make, everything. They have to love all of it and they do. It is absolutely brilliant. You, you're a smart business because you have looked at all of those touch points and the fact that it's made in the UK. You know, it's it, it's really a wonderful brand. And tell me, what are your favourite small businesses that you maybe want to give a shout out to on this podcast? And then we can all go away, scribble them down and run to our phones and, and get typing away. I like Harry and the gang. I think they've got their media on Instagram is is brilliant. What do they do? So Harry and the gang, they do um, like printed tops and um, clothing. So they're at Harry and the gang. Fantastic. And is there anyone else? Yeah, Fern and Rosie. So um, my friend Rachel, she makes jam and it's low sugar, but extra tasty. It's it's just lovely. And she is um, homegrown, home business, small business. And you should definitely check her out. I think I even know her. Is, does she go to trade fairs? I think she does. Yes, I know her. Yeah, she's just got stocked in Waitrose. Yes, I knew. And when we had our deli, less of that story, we actually stocked her too. Did you? Great shout outs there. Well, listen, guys, this is all we've got time for now. But thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thank you for inviting us. It's just a wonderful moment to reconnect and to hear what it means when people vote with their money. We've got to raise so much more awareness about what's going on behind closed walls. As you said, Dan, the hours that are worked, Natalie, the love that gets poured in, the good that ultimately small businesses does for our communities and the UK. And I think together, the more that we can raise the profile 
and be proud, the better. So from me, I'm super proud of you and I'm sure everyone listening will be super proud of you. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank Thank you you for having us. A huge thanks to Dell Technologies, NatWest and Royal Mail, our small business supporters, for joining us to bring Campaign Shop Independent to life this summer for the first time, including this very special podcast. Please join the campaign and get involved. Over the coming months, we will be sharing all the ways that you can support the campaign, including the first ever official hashtag Shop Independent Day, the 25th of June. Put it in your diaries. And also you can head over to holly.co for all the latest information. And finally, one other ask. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe, rate and review because each time you spread the word, it empowers someone else to build their good life. Mm